welcome to Tunes Made episode five. It's Mark and Ray. We always have an infatuation with number five. Five years, 25 years, 50 years. So on today's episode, we're going to talk about American Pie. And believe it or not, and did you know, audience, that Ray and his dad wrote a book called Do You Believe in Rock and Roll? All about the song American Pie by Don McLean. Yeah, we, we edited it. We, um, my dad, well, he just retired a year ago, but he uh, taught public history at college at Ohio Northern. And as part of doing that, he would often bring in his guitar, he plays guitar, and he would bring it in and do songs and talk about pop music songs as public history. And he did things like Bob Dylan's The Times They Are Changing and stuff like that. And inevitably, people asked about American huh. Pie. So he learned how to play it. He brought it in and they'd talk about the words and the lyrics and what does it mean. And so it led him to start wondering, well, what does it mean? And so he, he did a bunch of research and, and analysis and came up with his interpretation of what it meant. He had presented it somewhere and was thinking about trying to get it published. And we said, and I had a conversation with him. This is so a little more than 10 years ago. And, yeah. And uh, we said, you know, I said, well, you know, he said, you know, there really isn't that much written about it. It's this pretty historic song, this pretty well-known song, and there's not a lot written about it. And I said, well, maybe we should try to put together a book of essays and uh, we found some folks to write essays for the book. Joe Burns, who teaches communication, and he might teach some cultural stuff too, but I know he teaches communication at Southeastern Louisiana. When I put out a call for folks, he already was, he's a longtime disc jockey, has his own, I think it's a, I don't know if it's a podcast or radio show called huh. uh, Rock School, and they, they have a theme every week, and he's just brilliant. And he did had his interpretation as well, and so we had that, and then we found some other folks. So my dad and, and Joe had have interpretations of the song and they agree on a lot and they disagree on a lot <laughs> and then we found some other folks to write essays about more about the significance of the song and the meaning of the song and, and how it plays out culturally and, yeah. and I have an essay in there about uh, connecting it with Weird Al Yankovic's The Saga Begins is yes. parody of it so, so it's a really good book and yeah it came out well it's been seven years now and, and it's through McFarlane and it was really kind of a, a real fun thing to work on yeah you know I definitely was going to jump into the Weird Al connection. But <laughs> what I was thinking about the other day is you posted something up there about Dion. I think maybe it was yeah. 50 years ago. And Oh, no, it was his birthday. His, his birthday. birthday. He just turned 80. Yeah. That's right. And I clicked on it, and I went to his website. And I'm also I'm always interested to see what the artist is talking about or if they release anything new. And so I clicked on his bio. And I got to tell you, Ray, I, when I started reading his bio, that is really what made me start thinking about American Pie and the significance of it because I've sent it over to you as well and he goes into this whole story about how he was the guy that didn't go on that fateful crash back on February 6th 1959 mm -hmm. yep. and you know they flipped a coin and he lost I think he lost to what was it the the big bopper he didn't go on the flight. The whole bio is about he was that guy that didn't go on there and how that changed his life. And if you read it, it's just so emotional. And it really blew my mind. And it started me thinking about the song and the moment and what it means and American Pie and then your book and how it connects to everything. It just really yeah. 
blew my mind. Yeah, you know, the Dion's account is interesting because he kind of says they, you know, you watch movies like uh, La Bamba, right? Where, you know, Richie Valens oh, yeah. and, and they, they, you know, they, they almost romanticize what happened, the coin flip and stuff. And he says, you know, it was more just like I was taught to be uh, frugal with my money. It was going to cost me 36 bucks and I didn't <laughs> want to spend, you know, the, the crazy things about what happened there. I remember the story because Waylon Jennings was actually part of the, the group there that could have been on that flight. And I remember uh, years ago uh, reading about when they were joking with each other and uh, one of them, I don't know if it was a Big Bopper or Buddy Holly or whatever, says, well, I hope your bus crashes. And Jennings said, I hope your, your plane crashes, right? And then, of course, it did. And he said that, he, you know, he gave an interview years ago and he talked about the, the sort of survivor guilt, right? That that could have been me um, was part yeah. of what led to his alcoholism and all this other stuff. And, it, and I mean, that was the kind of stuff, you know, you did. You did these, these shows and stuff. And, and then, yeah, with American Pie, I mean, that's central to the whole story. You know, the, the thing is, I say there's interpretations of American Pie. and But there are things that we know about the song. And mm-hmm. we know that, yeah, the first verse is there's that cold day in February that made him shiver. And that that's about Buddy Holly and that, you know, when Buddy Holly died, that was significant to this teenager. He was 13. Uh, yes, yeah, this, this 13-year-old kid who was just into rock and roll and music and in upstate New York. And um, and he talks about, I heard about the widowed bride. And, you know, that's uh, Buddy Holly's wife who found mm-hmm. out the news. She had a miscarriage. Yeah, she had a miscarriage because she was pregnant. She had a miscarriage. I mean, she found out the news and I think it was... His mom found out the news simply by hearing the news. And that was one of the cases that that led to uh, the practice we have now where they don't release the names of people who die in accidents until they've notified the family. Because Buddy Holly's literally his wife, his his family, etc. They found out from watching the news. You know, and so the significance of, of that plane crash... And then the song, and it's McLean talking about the development of music over a decade, from, from 1959 until about 69, 70. The song comes out in se- uh, winter of 71, 72. And, uh, it, you know, it's him talking about what happened to music over that decade. And frankly, he, or at least the, the narrator of the song, isn't happy about what mm-hmm. happens. It's kind of this this really, like, like epic tale kind of thing. That's the argument I make in my mm-hmm. in my my essay, is that, is that it becomes sort of this, this standard for telling epic tales and i like how you break that down and you basically you know your book talks about the fact that it's not a song about the plane it's not a song about the of of don's favorite pizza and it talks about kind of debunking some of those myths of the song and that it's really a song about the fact that music is changing that you know once you know buddy holly richie valens and the big bopper go down that moment is a, a kind of a changing tide. And then the song kind of recounts everything up until, because the song was what, released in 71, something like that. Yep, and yep, it kind of, 71. Yep. Right, it kind of recounts this epic tale of, of music and how it's changing in the culture. And, and there are some references throughout the song that for a while there were some mysteries. And I really like how you break down specifically the details of what those lyrics mean and i know there's so much about this song the lyrics the music everything that connects you through this eight minute (laughs) journey that is class being redone i mean madonna redid it a a few years ago i'm trying to think of some other remakes i know that i posted a mashup where it matches up really well with this florence and the i think it's the machine but this song is it just it just keeps going and has so much appeal why is that well that's you know that's part of it and one of the things that we see is the idea that it 
the song gets referenced in all kinds of things. There's an episode of that 70s show where Kelso, he does, he's, you know, I wrote this song for you, Jackie. If you watch the show at all, there's this love triangle between Kelso and Jackie and Hyde and the two guys, Kelso and Hyde, and after the same girl, Jackie. And he writes this song. This was my song I wrote for you. And he basically, you know, it's American Pie, but it's the day that Hyde died, right? Instead of the day the music died. And, and you know, and it's supposed to, it's the 70s show. It's supposed to be about that 70s and of course American Pie is a significant part of the 70s and so it, it's significant that that show would do it there's an episode of The Office called the, I think it's The Office Chair yeah or The Chair Model and it's this thing where Michael Scott right the, the head of The Office uh, Steve Carell's character he falls in love with this chair model in this catalog and he goes on the search to find her uh-huh. and Dwight Schrute that you know Dwight the office sales guy there that's sort of his, his uh the his assistant manager or assistant to the manager yeah his assistant to the manager right they make a big joke his sidekick right and he, they go off to find and they actually find out the lady but they find out that she had actually died and they go and they find her grave and they're there at the grave singing American Pie and getting the lyrics wrong because that's Michael Scott and Dwight Schrute. If you know the song, the show, that would make sense that they do that. They get the lyrics wrong, but it's that same kind of thing where it's this tale of loss, right? That for McLean, it was the loss of music. For Michael Scott, it's this loss of this love that he thought he had, whatever. And and in um, there's an episode of uh, Futurama where they say they're trapped for eternity, and what are they going to do? Well, we could sing American Pie. Right. The idea of how long it is. Right. So, so you have these different ideas about what it means. And, hmm. you know, there's a lot of speculation about what it could mean, what, what the, the song means. Uh, there are differences of opinion about what different things in the song mean. But then in terms of what it, what it means culturally, it's 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 had this staying power. And, and I think part of it is because it for that generation, for the baby uh-huh. boom generation, or at least, you know, for certain segments of it. This song was a telling of their experience, right? One of the things that we can say about the baby boom generation is that rock and roll music was the development of rock and roll. Mm -hmm. The the rock and roll coming on the scene in the late 50s and the development of rock and roll through the 60s was fundamental to the, the development of that generation. And in fact, again, that's what I argue in my essay in the book is that I argue that Star Wars is to Generation X what rock and roll was to the baby boomers right that right uh you know even if you didn't even if you're if you're generation x like we are even if you didn't see star wars you know what star wars is right you know star wars was so significant to the u.s uh gen x generation and a development of rock and roll was kind of like that too and so this song was like retelling the development of their childhood to adulthood and so part of it's that that loss of innocence and that's clear to the song um yeah and so it's considered uh one of the essays by a guy named bob mcparland uh, talks about it as public memory right it's just it's this this memory for the generation yeah and what's interesting about that is you know you tie it back to comparing those two generations and you mm-hmm. know you look at it, it eventually is this going to be compared to Harry Potter <laughs> you yeah. know, in the future, but you've got all these comparisons and it's really an account. And we always talk about that on tunes, mate, how songs could trigger memories and all of a sudden you're transported somewhere else. And in this particular instance, you know, as I went through your breakdown of lyrics, especially from your dad, there's this, 
remembrance that some of it's referring to Bob Dylan. Then you've got other mm-hmm. to Mick Jagger. And mm-hmm. there was also some very specific references, not only to, you know, there wasn't a lot to Buddy Holly. I, I think there was something that'll be the day when I die, his specific right. song. Right. And then obviously you talked about, you know, his wife and his marriage, even though he is a fan of that, a lot of it was just how music is changing and the references that were throughout the song. So what you're saying basically is when you're comparing rock and roll to Star Wars in, mm-hmm. from Weird Al's cover, if Don is referencing music has changed, what's Weird Al referencing is changing? So I don't think he's, I don't think Weird Al is making a, a comment. I mean, ultimately Weird Al may not be making any commentary at all. He's just making a song. <laughs> but I think in terms of how the song works, no, I don't think that there's, it's that anything's changing. I think, okay. and, and the argument that I make is that the song is about loss, a loss of innocence. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also, and it, this is part of the, the, the usefulness and the, the meaning of the song. It's multi-layered. It has various functions and, and meanings and culture. And so, but one of them is sort of the representation of the generation. And so, Putting the loss of innocence part aside, a the song is a represent is a a song that recounts what the generation experienced, mm-hmm. and then b it's an epic song. Like you mentioned, it's it's a little more than eight minutes long, and and so it it becomes a a sort of template for telling epic tales. So gotcha. on that '70s show, the epic tale of Kelso having Jackie and Hyde dying, right? Mm-hmm. In the Office, the epic tale of of the love for this chair model. The these aren't really epic tales, but in the context of the comedies of the show, that's the idea. And of course, Futurama, the idea that you know, hey, we got we got all of eternity to fill. We can sing American Pie because that'll take all of eternity, right? That that it becomes this temp- template for telling these long epic tales. And of course, Star Wars is that. And so, yes. when Weird Al's song comes out, this is 1999. This is when the second Star Wars trilogy, uh, the Phantom Menace, is coming out, and the song is about the Phantom Menace. And so, in this case, it isn't about the the loss of what was held dear it's the regaining of what was held dear for folks like me who grew up on star wars in the late 70s and into the 80s we hadn't had star wars for for 16 years right Uh 83 was when return of the jedi come out came out and then suddenly in like you know 97 98 there are these rumblings there's a new movie's coming out i mean i can still remember watching the trailer in like the winter of 1988 and seeing the trailer for the new star Wars movie and just being like, Oh my goodness, I'm going to get to see a new star Wars movie and just how profound that was to me. Mm-hmm. And so the idea that, that it worked so well for Al to pick that song with star Wars because star Wars was such a crucial part of gen X experience in the same way that rock and roll was to baby boom experience and so the song really fits to tell the tale of uh-huh. the Phantom Menace because it taps into those experiences. And ultimately the argument is that, that it taps into American mythology in the same same thing or American identity in the same way because rock and roll is sort of fundamental to the, the sense of what America is in the 50s and 60s 
And Star Wars was literally built off of American mythology. We have the, the notion of the West, right? The frontier and Westerns. And Lucas, we have this from interviews. He specifically, when he created Star Wars, he had grown up, he's a baby boomer, right? Grew up in the 40s and 50s into the early 60s. He becomes an adult and he grew up watching Westerns, which were huge back then. You know, we don't have Westerns now like we did, but in the 40s and 50s, they were uh, the most popular type of film in Hollywood. And we had tons of them. You go to Rio Bravo and High Noon and you know, just name it. We go on down the list. And he watched this stuff, but he knew, you know, in the late 70s, Westerns were dying. I mean, as a as a, a film genre, they just weren't getting made that yeah. much anymore and they weren't as popular. And he was like, okay, well, what's going to, what's going to take the imagination the way the Westerns used to. And he thought of space because space is, and, and we had that idea, right? The Star Trek space, the final frontier, right? The idea that, okay, we, the United States now has met manifest destiny. It goes from the Atlantic ocean, to the Pacific ocean. So now what's the new frontier and throughout the 20th century it was, well, the seas are the new frontier. The, the body is, you know, the new frontier. We're going to have frontiers in medicine. We're going to, they kept applying this frontier. And of mm -hmm. course then Kennedy in the sixties, it was when uh, John F. Kennedy was elected president. He called his administration, the new frontier. And part of that was, we're going to put a man in space. Space and race. The decade. And of course we just celebrated the 50th anniversary of that. And, and so that was part of the whole concept of America in the sixties was this, this, wow, we're going to space and star Wars then was capturing that. And so the idea that weird Al song captures that American ex sense of American identity. That's so popular in the same way that, that uh, Don McLean did in the early seventies. Yeah. And what I always think about is, especially for Weird Al, you know, he had a song called Yoda that was, yep. he, he already had out, he already had a fan base that was interested in his fascination with Star Wars. And then all of a sudden, there's going to be a new film that's out. And there was a lot of excitement. And this was, you know, 20 years ago, where yep. everyone Never. was, like yep. you said, waiting for, oh my gosh, there's going to be another Star Wars film. And to pick that song, which you said was a template, and that's mm -hmm. interesting because there's something called the story curve, which I know you're familiar with, that has this, this moment, and then you reach this kind of climactic scene, and then everything you know kind of goes down. And to take this song that everyone knew and tie Star Wars to it, and then everyone knows, as you indicated in your essay, that there are some bits and pieces that you're familiar with. You know that Anakin is going down this yep. path of Darth Vader. So you're tying in this prior knowledge, which is feeding this song and the excitement. So there's a lot of humor in it because yeah. you already kind of know how it's going to end. And then we didn't see the film yet. And then once the film came out, there was this kind of, well, what? This is what I was waiting for? <laughs> and, and then now I have two more that I have to wait for to build up to the scene. So it was kind of ironic that you waited all this time and then this is what happened. And it's, it's interesting now to look back at all that and go, well, wait, what? Right, <laughs> so right. there is a lot of interesting folklore about that. But then if you shoot back to, to this American Pie song, you also mm -hmm. can go back and reflect upon 
everything that happened and how everything turned out as well. So there is a lot of back and forth between these songs that everyone kind of appreciated. And as I had the opportunity to interview John Bermuda Schwartz, the drummer to Weird Al, and he basically said that as well, is the reason Al has stayed relevant is because he's always current. And mm-hmm. he ties all these things together, which is makes everything even more humorous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of it's you know it kind of as you're talking, it kind of reminded me of that's one of the ways that that South Park was has been popular for so long because they they find these these great ways to take all of this stuff that's going on in popular culture and put it together in these ways that kind of make you think about it a little bit. And that we have a concept in the study of popular culture called cultural capital. And the idea that you you're in a culture and you you know the references, you know how to behave in a culture, you know the rules of the culture. And we have another concept called intertextuality, and it's the idea that a text refers to other texts, right? So mm. when South Park refers to Barbara Streisand or The Simpsons has Michael Jackson or whatever, you, that you know you know the reference, and so it depends on you knowing the reference to get the humor. You have to know who Michael Jackson is to know what they're doing in Set Simpsons when they have Michael Jackson. Uh, Family Guy does a whole bunch of stuff with Star Wars. And again, you have to know Star Wars. If somebody doesn't know Star Wars, they don't understand it. And the same with Weird Al's, Weird Al's song. And so like you mentioned, you know, if you're if you're listening to the song and he got to read the script before the film came out so that he could write the song based off of the movie, right? That's why it actually it tells the tale of the movie, but was able to do so before the movie actually came out for Al to see it because he was at, they gave him access to, to read the script to write the song. But like you said, if you know Star Wars, you know Anakin's going to become Vader. And so when he's singing maybe Vader someday later, right, uh-huh. or they're talking, you don't know. We didn't know who Padme was at this point, but he, when, when Al says, I think he's going to marry her someday, right, and... Yeah, and you know who Yoda is, and as you mentioned, Al's already talked about Yoda, and and so this is consistent with Weird Al too, you know, that, and as part of what I argue, and and again, that's the same thing with McLean, mm-hmm. is that McLean song, part of it's what made it so popular, at least I would argue, is because he pun kind of intended here, he hit the right notes, right? He he referred to the right kinds of things, so American Pie. There's again, there's there's not a lot that we know for sure. Okay, that's the one thing about interpreting American Pie. We know there's all the stuff about Buddy Holly and the crickets, and and we know that. But McLean has kept pretty tight-lipped about what the rest means. And when he's asked, he's got like this sort of coy answer. He says, if he's, if somebody asks him what does American Pie mean, he says it means I never have to work again, right? You know, <laughs> yeah. You know, I made so much money off of it that, and now he actually he sold the rights to it and stuff a few years ago so that his kids will have a whole bunch of money. Mm. But there's a couple of things that he, he let slip once that the Joker is uh, Bob Dylan. And, you know, it's pretty much a given that in a later verse, when he talks about the devil, he's talking about Altamont music festival in 1969, mm-hmm. uh, which was, he came after Woodstock and was supposed to be like the West coast version, but you know, turned into a disaster. They hired hell's angels to be security and while Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones were on stage, the one guy thought that he got pissed off because his girlfriend was looking at Mick Jagger and he thought she was in love with him and he, he was going to rush the stage and Hell's Angels tackled him and killed him, right? And so, you know, it turned into a complete disaster. And, and that, that's the idea that here was this great thing, rock and roll, this wonderful 
thing. And by the end of the sixties, you know, it's, it's violent and it's, it's commercialized and it's mm-hmm. horrible. And that's his, that's the narrator of the song singing. And so again, there's these references, but so you got to know who the Rolling Stones are. You got to know what mm-hmm. Altamont is. You got to know who the Beatles are when he makes references that might refer to that. And there's questions about when he says Lennon, he makes a reference to Lennon uh, reading Marx. And it's like, well, does he mean John Lennon or does he mean Vladimir Lennon, mm-hmm. the old Bolshevik? Uh, he makes reference to the king, and a lot of folks think that the Joker played for the king and queen. Well, you know, a lot of folks think the king is, is Elvis Presley. Um, mm-hmm. The queen could be Aretha Franklin. and Or does that mean somebody else? Does that mean John Kennedy and and uh, Jackie Kennedy because they were in camp they they were called their time in the white house was called Camelot you know does it mean something else and ultimately the the sort of most discussed line is the three men he admired most and there are tons of different interpretations of that and in fact in the book Joe Burns and my dad they both come to different interpretations of who those three men are interesting and of course that works out for for Weird Al because he's got the Jedi I admire most right so this is Ben <laughs> Kenobi singing as Qui-Gon Jinn gets killed at the end of The Phantom Menace. And so, yeah, you know, so it's it's like this, like you said, it's this, we talk about time, to, to reference Alan Parsons' project, because we just wrote about, we just had a, a Daily Zay flash, flashback about them. And, you know, Alan mm-hmm. Parsons' project, they, the, the whole feel of their music is like that. That You know, there's that nostalgia. If you, uh, what's their song? Um, Eye in the Sky? Yeah, Eye in the Sky is, well, that's, that's, that's creepy. You know, I'm the eye That's in the sky, creepy. I'm the maker rules. But what's the other one? Why can't I think of it? Was it the the, the Cirrus, the, like the Bulls theme intro? Um, Do you remember that one? Um, don't answer me, right? There's a real nostalgic feel to the video and to the song for Don't Answer Me. Oh, yeah. And Alan Parsons Project, they were really, you know, they really captured a certain type of feel for music that had a, a sort of, bittersweetness to it right a forlornness Mm -hmm. that uh, american pie has that we we see in other types of songs that you know that's sort of fundamental to certain types of 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 music and so you know that's another theme that we can sort of see throughout music and and again that that song picked that up yeah there was one line and i i thought you were going to say it but it it really got me it was the fact that i really dig those rhythm and blues Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and there's a whole reference in there to Cleveland and coining rock and roll mm-hmm. and Alan Freed and mm-hmm. and how all that kind of resonates with just that one line everything was derived from you know, rhythm and blues right. and right. and and artists covering those songs and moving that forward that that really got me when I read that, I, it's just one line and I'm yep. reading in your book. It's it's about, you know, a page and a half <laughs> breakdown yep. of that. And it's fascinating how just one line can reference so much. Yeah. And I mean, that's, it's the feel that he's getting at. And, that, and that's part of his thing is that, you know, music had changed and, and he, he longs for the, the old days when that, you know, when, when the rock, the R and B was turning into rock and it was all that covering of, of artists and songs. But, you know, the, you know, the thing is that, um, that's just one account of this, right? But uh, but we we continually see songs throughout the um, throughout the years that have that kind of that still continue to have that feel. I had a um, mm-hmm. Daily's '80s flashback about a week ago, and uh, it was the King Bees from their one appearance on the the Hot 100 chart in a 1980 with a song called "My Mistake." And if you listen to it, it's got that kind of feel to it, right? Hmm. And and Ultimately, 
go you go to a lot of these bands and you go to a lot of these singers and even if music has changed they still feel those r&b roots right they still recognize it they know it um some of them will play do homages to it you know u2 has certainly done that you know there's plenty of other bands that have that have held their their homage uh you know um uh, about a week and a half or so ago uh peter tosh right who was known for for reggae had done a remake of johnny be good in the in the early 1980s right you know there's all these ways in which mm-hmm. which it, it continues to come back and and always sort of be with us yeah, when you started talking you made me remember something ozzy osbourne for example mm-hmm. he's what the prince of darkness i think is mm-hmm. he's categorized as and he's done remakes of the beatles you know in my life mm-hmm. And, and then every once in a while, he'll do a sentimental song. Like he had a release, I think it was maybe 10 years ago now, but he wrote a song called Dreamer and it was this ballad and he's recounting his life and all the guitarists he's had and all the turmoil. And it's just, you know, this romantic ballad. And every once in a while he puts those you know on his albums, but it just, it makes me think that even an artist, there are times where their their influence shine through you think well he's a prince of darkness he's got all these you know very heavy metal songs you know no more tears and and crazy train but then he does these ballads and and harkens back to the influence that he had even i was listening to an interview recently that ted nugent he's basically his idol was chuck berry Mm -hmm. and if you listen to his songs you think about it you know, stranglehold some of his, his more popular songs. It's an homage back to his idols. And mm-hmm. that always fascinates me how these, you know, American pie and these other references are still always going back to the things that influenced them. He, you know, he was 13 years old. He was a paper boy and he wrote this song. Fascinating. Right. And so then, and then it plays out across generations. So, so um, I was very fortunate about uh, a year ago, I was interviewed by uh, Jenny Cataldo, and she works with um, uh, at the um, uh, NPR program Studio 360. She does some pieces for them, uh-huh. and she did some some pieces on inside the National Recording Registry. So a couple of years ago, American Pie was added to the National Recording Registry. You know, it's a that's a it's a national hmm. thing that that's basically saves songs that are significant to to American culture. And and she had done a number of pieces on songs that were then put into the national registry and um, she actually just won an award for this um international radio awards at the new york festival uh, just this summer won, won a gold award for her work on these things and part one of them was this episode so she does that it's about a 14 minute piece on don mclean's american pie and she interviewed me last summer last october it ran on studio 360 so if you you know if you listen to that on npr uh, you, you would have heard it last october mid to late october i think last year and you know it was really kind of a privilege to be on there and i'm very fortunate she used a number of things that i say on there because she actually she interviewed don mclean and so you know she talks to him on there about american pie and you know what it means to him and stuff and the other person who shows us so mclean's on there and i'm on there and Garth Brooks is on there. And one of the things that, that Garth Brooks write, talks about is the influence of McLean. So here's Garth Brooks. And, and Brooks is a good example of this, right? So, you know, he made his name in country music in the you know 90s. But, of course, he crossed over and did, uh, what was his, Chris Gaines, Chris right? Gaines. That was, that was his, his, uh, his one top 40 hit was that, that song. I went to, like, number five. For a long time, Garth Brooks has covered Billy Joel songs. And... 
you know, there's a certain way in which his voice fits well with with Billy Joel's songs and uh, and vice versa. And, you know, and he he always talked, you know, he talks about growing up in the uh, 60s, 70s, listening to like Kiss in the 70s and stuff. And, you know, you think Garth Brooks Country Act, Kiss hard rock act and and with makeup and everything and they almost seem antithetical to one another but there, there's that same commonality there huh. and so uh just like mclean was influenced by buddy holly as a 13 year old kid i don't know off the top of my head how old garth brooks would have been when american pie came out but probably not too far from that he was influenced by mclean and then you get kids grow up influenced by brooks and the uh-huh. legacy just kind of carries on, and so you know he talked. To, he, you know he talked about that, and and again, that's the the significance of that song. So, what about your legacy? I mean, this book. What did it mean to you, and what was your favorite moment? You know, putting this together. I know it. You know, like you said, it's it's been a few years since you put it together, but it seemed like a collaboration between you and your father, and there seems to be a lot of a lot of information in here that that fascinated me. What was it? Well, you know, there were a lot of really good things about it. I really enjoyed reading my, the the other authors that we have in the book, reading their various pieces, because there's different interpretations, different sort of historical senses of what the song means. And then there's one piece in there that even says maybe the song isn't even that significant. Probably the one that sticks in my head a lot is when I put out a, a call, we call it a call for papers to try to find other folks to, to, to have chapters, right? So we had my dad had a chapter, I had a chapter, we had one other chapter, uh, uh, Richard McGowan's chapter, he was set up to write that one. And we said, okay, we got to go out and find some other folks. And I put out a, a call for papers looking for other people to write chapters. And that's how we, that's how Joe Burns got involved. But one person wrote me back and she said, look, I don't have anything to write. This isn't, you know, what I write about, what I study, what I do. But I remember that I was in New Orleans when uh, Hurricane Katrina hit. And when after the, the aftermath, when, you know, there was all the the issues involved with whether FEMA was helping or not and all of this other stuff, they went down like after the, after the hurricane, they went down to where the levees broke. Mm-hmm. And they went down there and they sang American Pie and they sang, drove my Chevy to the levee and the levee was gone, right? Instead of the levee was dry. And the idea that the song was is so significant culturally that that becomes a reference point. You want to sing about a levee, you go to American Pie. And so that's the moment that always sticks out to me, that, that that's how this song plays out to people. And... And that that's its meaning. It's the, that's really the the kind of one that sticks out to me. Yeah, it's amazing. It's 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 a different interpretation. And I know when you know I get an opportunity to play this song out live, and the audience just takes to it. I mean, they'll sing every verse, and everyone knows it. Yep. <laughs> and yep. that's why I found it fascinating that you've got Madonna. You know, many years later, that <laughs> that remakes it, and there's been other you know, versions of it out there, but it's, it's one of those timeless songs. And I know it it may not have any significance, but to some people, like you said, baby boomers, weird Al fans, Garth Brooks, it meant a lot to them. And I think it's going to continue to have an impact. And to me, 
I even I was thinking about this too. There was a movie series called American Pie <laughs> that was released. That was a comedy series. I think they ended up. Yeah, I think three, maybe four of the films were were professionally produced, and then they went off and did these. You know, kind of. <laughs> I don't want to call them made for TV films, but they definitely went off in a different direction. But even you think about it, if you mention the word American Pie, some people may even think of the movie series <laughs> that. <laughs> went off and was just a comedy success. So it does have a lot of cultural you know, significance. Yes, it does. And, and part of it's just the title, American Pie. You know, the idea that that um, eating apple pie or whatever, you know, is mm-hmm. fundamental to American identity. And I think that's the play on words that that's what the uh, the movie series plays off of. But there have been advertising campaigns that have built themselves off of this and and it just it it captured that that sense of American identity. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, if you haven't picked up the book, do you believe in rock and roll essays on Don McLean's uh, American Pie? Raymond I. Shuck and Ray Shuck, pick it up. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> that's that's our shameless plug for uh, for Tunes Mate. But then also, I, you know, as always, we want to close out our show with a couple Tunes Mate things. So we've got a title title that's out there at the airing of this podcast. It's Crimea River. Now, we've got Justin Timberlake that had a hit a few years ago, and we're also going to go back to Ella Fitzgerald that had a tune back in the day. Have you heard Ella's version? Are you familiar with the the throwback version? Uh, I think it's been a long time since I've heard yeah, it. It's I've been a classic. It, it's been a long time. Yeah, so... I'm gonna. I'm throwing it out there. I I have a feeling that most people are gonna go for the Justin Timberlake song, but I kind of am a jazz. Believe it or not, I, I am a fan of jazz. So I'm gonna go with the Ella version. Do you have a preference in this title title? Um, I like. I mean, I like Justin. Not, not, nothing against him, but I'd probably go with Ella too. Yeah, it was a it was a hard one for me because I know Justin Timberlake comes up a lot. <laughs> conversations for some reason but recently he figures out a way to kind of tap into you know some of the the vibe here and then also we haven't done this in a while but we've always for the crowd this is probably the first time in this episode we've talked about sentune and this goes back to something that we used to do in college where we would speak in tunes back together and the most famous one was our, our Genesis conversation <laughs> where we would talk back and forth. And, you know, I would say, you know, well, you know, Ray, well, you're no son of mine. Yeah, well, you got a hold of my heart. Well, follow me, follow you to our next conversation on Tunesmate. <laughs> Only if Abacab goes. Tonight, 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 Ray, it's really been a conversation that has oh, been man. phenomenal. We're getting in too deep. <laughs> Well, Jesus, he knows me, and I'm going to pray really hard after this conversation. <laughs> You're just going to be in a land of confusion. Abacab. Yeah, so we went Abacab. on and on and on like Abacab. this. Didn't we contact? We included, you could do Phil Collins, you could do Genesis, you right. could do Mike Mechanics. You, you can could keep do going. The whole thing, yeah. And I think we do have a Genesis send tune up there. If we don't, at the conclusion of this podcast, I will post one. But Sounds it, good. But it is uh, it is something that we could probably. I think we used to annoy the neighbors by. I think we used to go into wee hours of the night with this yeah. uh, game. But try it with your friends if you're bored. Pick your favorite artist. I bet you you could probably do one on Jay Z to you know Snoop Dogg, across the Kanye West. There's probably something out there you can do. Even yeah. Eminem. 
probably could cause a, well, a very know, long time. Uh, so uh, Joe Elliott, a Def Leppard, just celebrated his 60th birthday. Yeah. Def Leppard would be a great one to do it to. <laughs> that would be a good one. All right. That's it. At this podcast, there will be a Def Leppard Centune up there. Try your hand at it. And we also have Centune Jr., where I think it's just three songs. So you can do five and three. Try to make yeah. a sentence out of it. It's hard. I always so have take, a well, take five title five titles of songs and make us make a workable, grammatically correct sentence out of it. Yep. It's a challenge. We'll send yep. it out to the crew. Well, it's everyone here at Tunes Mate. We are thrilled to continue this podcast series. We've got some other things in the works that are cooking up, but we hope you enjoy this conversation on American Pie and make sure to drive your Chevy to the levee. And make sure it's not dry. <laughs> but remember, if you're drinking, it's not whiskey and rye. It's whiskey in rye, in rye, New York, because that's the thing that pe- most people mess up and they think he's saying whiskey and rye, which doesn't make sense. But And the levee, and the levee is actually a bar. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. It's not a levy like in New Orleans, right? Right. But Crazy, it's all huh? it's all your interpretation, right? That's <laughs> that's the beauty of the song. And that's a good way to close this. Once again, it's Mark and Ray. And we'll see you next time on Tunes Make. Bye.